Hello, it's a Saturday and welcome to another episode of Aussie Wisdom. My name's Chris Anderson, this is Brandon Newby. And in previous episodes of Aussie Wisdom, we've spoken with people who have been in their career for quite a long time, maybe in different parts of the world. But the fact of the matter is, both myself and Brandon and other people have taken a lot of time to find something that's right for them and maybe we're still finding exactly what's right for us. And so that's what we'd like to talk about today. And based on that, Brandon, what would you like to say about yourself? Uh, howdy. Um, pretty much what you said is, is, is correct. Like I've struggled so hard to figure out what I want, not just career-wise, but life-wise, because I've floundered through so many jobs and struggled to find that fit. Um, my my first job was the pizza parlor up the road and and from there I just sort of jumped from fast food point joint to fast food joint until I uh, finished high school started a nursing diploma um, the the TAFE that I went to again was not the right environment for me to I guess you could say progress education wise in and uh, I wound up having to pull out right before my last semester just because student loans kept um, building up and from there it was just that desperate, desperate struggle of I need a job to pay bills, I need a job to pay rent. Um, so I went into a painting apprenticeship, that did not work out. I went into uh, working for myself with yard maintenance and, and lawn mowing and uh, my uncle actually helped me out by finding a a, a, a apartment complex that needed a, a maintenance car at least once a week. Um, he was very generous in that sense. That tied me over until I started working in car sales. Uh, I worked in a few different car yards and those environments were just, uh, as I said to you earlier, you've got to, every, every person who works in car sales will tell you, you've got to have just that little bit of bastard to get a sale across. And I just struggled so so much and there were workplaces or car yards that not only questioned but also made fun of what you ate, uh, what you wore, how you talked because my voice occasionally goes it can be like this or it can totally be like this for whatever reason I don't know why I can't control it um, and having someone constantly make fun of that from beginning to end of a shift five days a week you just you struggle so much to get self-confidence but at the same time have the confidence to realize deep down this is so not what I want and take that risk and just walk away and take the time to find a job. I've been lucky in the sense that before I've finished a job I've either started looking for another job or I've had another job lined up um, and I also had a mate when I left car sales who gave me the opportunity to work for him over at Sunder Park and in that time, I always knew it wasn't going to be permanent, but in that time, I got more of an opportunity to realise what I wanted. And so I went back to, I loved that whole aspect of when I was doing the nursing diploma, I was helping people, I was in a way contributing to a community, uh, and I got a, a job as a wardsman working on the hospitals in Brisbane. Um, I had that, I've had to, have had that job for a year and a half and I've just now transferred into the administration department in the same hospital and Chris I've never been happier mm. you know and 
when I finally got into that Wardy's job, within about two weeks, I uh, came out to my parents, came out to my best mate when I was working for the, the mate over in, in Sumner Park. Um, but being in that Wardy's job and having that sense again of I'm helping people, I'm working in one of the best facilities that's contributing to healthcare. It built me up to the point of I'm ready to accept myself, even if others don't want to accept me. And that's when I started coming out to my folks and, and friends and family. And it's taken me, I graduated back in 2011, it's 2019 now. It's taken me this long to start feeling happy about who I am, the trajectory that I'm on, I swear I can talk, um, and where I'm going to end up. You know, there is no set plan at the moment. I would, as I've told you, I'd like to start a little business myself in the future. Uh, but at the moment, I am happy, just comfortably paying my bills, uh, moving out of home, and uh, paying off my debts as well. I've never been in a situation where I know that I'm going to have this ability to pay each debt each week. And that's finally something that I've achieved. And it's taken me longer than most people would, because I never went to uni. I only studied for a little while, but I am where I am now, and I'm much better off because of it, just because of the experiences that I've had, and the trials and tribulations financially, Mentally, I say to someone, um, I've met a couple of people who are my age and they went to uni out of school, straight out of school, and they got into the job that they wanted. And they've never really had to struggle to the point. They struggled when they were studying, but they've never really had to struggle to a degree where you just, you're, you're terrified that you're either going to have to sign your car over your parents' name so the bank doesn't seize it or go and hide up out in the whoop whoop so that your parents don't even know where you are when the creditors come forward. But those experiences have given me a much more positive outlook than I had two or three years ago. And so, based on all the things you've done, at what point did you start feeling like you could actually start to become who you really are and start, and start knowing that you could show up in that way and it would be okay? Uh, the point where I started to realise who I was, what I wanted to do, would have been um, about two or three months after I left the car sales industry. Um, I won't say where, but I was working a job that, on paper, as I said to you before, it was 8am to, to 5pm Monday to Friday, 8am to 4pm on a Saturday. I was working 7am to 7.30, 8.30 at night. I was not going to the gym, I was eating takeout, I'd come home, I wouldn't have the energy to cook. It's because I was over walking around the car yard trying to find sales. Um, Sorry. Excuse the Frenchie in the background. We've just got a couple of dogs and a water feature and a little bit of uh, work going on. But, um, um, yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes, which is not quite, uh, despite what people think. Um, 
it is it is very hard for someone to break into the car sales industry with no clientele. A lot of a lot of uh, my eyes are going to start twitching in a second because I'm remembering. Uh, a lot of what the experienced car salesmen have is repeat business. From five, every five to ten years, they have the same customers coming in, and it is exceedingly stressful for someone brand new who doesn't have that business to meet a target of selling 15 to 20 cars a month. Like it's just, it's nigh on impossible unless you're an absolute freak. Uh, so I was coming home at the end of the day every day feeling stressed out and drained because of that I wouldn't have the energy to cook. So I gained about 40 kilos uh, in one year that I was working for a particular company. Left that company. Um, uh, a mate of mine, whom I'll always be grateful to, asked me if I'd be willing to come in and help out in the office of a, a business that he and his family run over in Sunder Park. Um, probably didn't help out as much as I, I thought because I wasn't that great at administration. Um, so there were quite a few stuff ups. They were exceedingly patient and uh, they held on to me for as long as they could uh, stand financially without taking a hit. But about two to three months after going into that job and, and working with him, I thought, I've been in such uh, a dark place. Uh, I need to, to talk to someone. I need to tell someone who I am and what's going on with me. So I decided then, when I realized what was going on, that I was going to talk to my best mate, um, tell him that I was gay. He was the first person. And from that point of telling him, things just started getting a little easier, a little better. The, uh, it sounds a little ironic, but days just seemed a little brighter. Uh, and the burden wasn't as, as heavy as it, as it was before I, I actually let that on. That was one of the biggest things that I was holding on to was that I'm gay. Uh, and that would have, one of the main reasons of that was, yeah, I was worried about what my family was going to say, what my friends were going to say, but it's so hard to realise who you are when you're working in an environment, as you said to me, that just doesn't allow you to be who you are. How, how long do you think you realised that probably who you were and who you wanted to be before you got to a point where you thought that you could be that person? It's going to sound stupid, but so many people knew before I did. Really? So many people knew before I did. Yeah. Um, I dated girls throughout high school and after high school. Um, you know, hookups at school, these things like that. No one ever really believed me because I never brought the girls home, which it just, it never felt natural dating a girl. Um, so it never lasted long enough for me to bring them home. Um, looking back on it now, that's probably when I, when I should have realized. But uh, maybe about when I started the painting apprenticeship, I really started to think, well, hang on, am I? Could I be? Yeah. And uh, it took me a while to, to go to the AI. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the best things is not what other people think, but just accepting it yourself. It lightens the load so much and it's, it is such a, uh, I can't even word it, it's such an assault, there we go, on, on the mental health of men, women, uh, transgenders alike having that 
internal mental struggle and battle with yourself of not wanting to admit it, the second you do, things are going to be harder, but it's it's so much easier on yourself. And then based on that, when you said, all right, I'm pretty sure I'm gay, yeah. to go into the point where you're going to tell your best mate that you're gay, mm. was it what sort of time period? Probably about a couple, couple weeks, maybe three weeks. or four weeks. Yeah. Okay. There was a. So it was pretty much the end of the car job. Yeah. When you realised like, oh, I'm probably gay. It was. I got in the car my last day at work. Okay. And I was driving home, and for the first time in, and I don't know how long. I'm a person who I believe in, you know, 30 second dance parties just to lift you up. Yeah, if you're yeah. having a shitty day. Yeah. Don't go home and watch telly. Go home, get up your family members if they've had a shit day too. Pop on a song for 30 yeah. seconds and dance around. Yeah, yeah. I'm someone like that. Yeah. So when I was yeah, yeah when I was working in car sales, I don't think I had 30 second dance parties for about a year. Right. It was just it was just not something that I did. I didn't sing in the car, I didn't yeah. sing in the shower. Yeah. So that last shift, I was driving home, and I was just cranking one of the most ridiculous songs from the 80s. Yeah. Um, Long cool woman in a black dress. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know, something just clicked. Yeah. And Joy. I thought I've gotta I've gotta start processing it so that I can get ready to tell something. Yeah. Do you think though it's, it sounds like suddenly it felt like you were almost happy. Like you're like, Oh, this is yeah. over. I'm I'm free of this. Oh yeah. Now I'm ready to have a thirty second dance party. Oh yeah. yeah. You know that song Suddenly I See? Okay. Pretty much what happened. It just yeah. hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And so um, the best mate that I told, mentioned him to you, we, we've known each other 11 years now. Um, we met in high school through another bloke that I thought was a best mate. And the two of us hated each other. Okay. Um, there was no reason, you know, in high school you just oil and water. Yeah. And the bloke that introduced us, I struggled so much with accepting that we were no longer friends. Just there was no reason to it. Just shut me out completely and ghosted me. There was no explanation whatsoever. And that put me in an even darker place to the point where when I decided to tell my best mate that I'm gay, um, there were only two outcomes. It was, well, either he accepts me or if he doesn't accept me, then clearly no one else is going to accept me if my best mate will, won't. Um, so life isn't worth living, and the, the plan was if that happened, I was not going to live to see the end of the week. Um, and the day that I told him, he uh, he stood me up, and he told me to look him square in the eye, and he just he hugged me, and let me burst into tears, and he held me for about two minutes, and he said, "You are my friend. I love you. Nothing changes that." And it just got even lighter from there. It got it started getting lighter when I left the car sales, but the second someone else was sharing what I'd been holding in for so long, it just got brighter and, and lighter and happier. So how's it been since then? You have your ups and your downs, eh? Um, people... There's a, a meme that I, I, I have screenshotted on my phone. Um, when, when I, my younger self, 
keeps thinking, you know, when I come out, it's going to be great. You know, I'm not going to have to worry about what anyone thinks because I'm going to have the best partner in the world because I'll finally be able to start dating. I'd love to go back and tell my younger self, your boyfriend. <laughs> dating, whether you're straight, gay, bi, pansexual, whatever, it's, oh, it's almost like a war. You are constantly scrambling to show people that you're more than just looks. Um, you and I have discussed this a couple of times. Not all uh, gay men are. I don't speak for all gay men. I don't speak for the entire LGBTQ community. If I did, I'd probably have a heart attack and stress. Um, there are a majority of gays out there who are so focused on looks. Um, as I said to Chris before, he's a good looking bloke. Uh, the first thing that I noticed about you was your smile. And the reason that I notice a smile more than, than anything else is because even when someone smiles tightly or half-assed, mm. you can just sort of tell whether or not they're a good person. And it's, it, like, it sounds silly, um, but it's just, it's just something that I've always been able to sort of vibe. Um, and there are those who would look at you and go, well, I don't really care what's going on up here or going on in here. I only care what's going on under these and at the back. That's all I'm interested in. Um, and it is so hard to get people outside of the LGBTQI community, I forgot the I, sorry, um, to realize we're not all like that. Mm. You know, there are people who look like me and who don't look like me, who look like you, that really do care about personality over appearance. Uh, I, call, I call them unicorn gays because mm. they're so rare and few and far between. Uh, I don't know, maybe I need to move out of Brisbane and go to like Sydney or Melbourne or something where there's more. <laughs> but uh, my own sister, love her though I do. Um, she's one of the funniest people. There isn't a, a bullet she wouldn't take for you if she loved you. She does have the uh, irrational dream of me dating some of those really gay guys that love to pop the makeup tutorial on YouTube and keep up with the Kardashians, Kim, Chloe, Klondike, Kirk and Kangaroo, whoever they are. Um, she was, we were driving back one afternoon from dropping our kids off to see their aunt and uncle on, her, on their dad's side and just out of nowhere she just started asking me the most random questions. Have you ever used a button? What are they like? Um, do you watch Grace and Frankie? Do you do drag? Have you? Do you go to drag shows? Do you have friends that are drag queens? Every answer was pretty much no, I don't. Uh, to which she said, you're the most disappointing gay I have ever met. Which I take as a compliment. Um, but that is honestly a stereotype that is perpetuated throughout the world. That is what most people think gays are. And it's really difficult to date in a world where 65, 70% of them are like that. Regardless of, of how you look, sorry, regardless of how you are as a person. Um, 
it's really just about appearance and the amount of times that I've messaged someone um, and I've complimented them on either their smile or I've seen them in person we've had a conversation uh, and after you know two or three hours of us talking do you want to go and grab a coffee the amount of times I've gotten back up I don't date fatties and uggos which blows my mind fatties and what fatties and uggos right yeah it blows my mind that someone can just come out and say that um, or you seem like a nice person but I wouldn't be able to get past the appearance to appreciate the personality and I mean I appreciate that kind of honesty mm-hmm. but at the same time grow up you know looks they won't look like that in 50 60 years and I guarantee you that if you took the time to get to know someone beneath the surface if you took the time to realize that they are a smart human being who wants nothing but the best for others who wants to contribute to society um, in such a positive way you would feel so much better not just about you know your relationship with them but about yourself you've realized that I can appreciate that more than biceps and abdominal muscles. But it is really, really hard to find someone in the world who would give you a chance to do that. Or at least that, that has been my experience. It's probably different for others. Uh, I'm not too sure if it's like that in the straight world. But uh, yeah, that's, that's been my experience. I think the difficult part is now, um, it's hard to get away from appearance because a lot of people are meeting people online. And so Tinder, it's not like you're going to swipe right on someone without a photo and with a really good blurb. Like there's still going to be a photo there. Oh, absolutely. Like, it is a double-edged sword. I I don't trust a blank profile. Yeah. I really don't. Um, there are so many out there who want to take advantage of people um, they're good. They're good hearts. They're good souls. You know, even at the same time, a photo doesn't necessarily mean that that person is who they say they are. Like, if if you and I were to talk on Tinder, uh, and and you were to send me a photo of I don't know some guy from Sydney, I would think I'm talking to him. Yeah. You know, and and that happens as well. But it is so difficult to trust. So much more difficult to trust a blank profile over a profile with a couple of photos of someone. Yeah. The same someone in each photo. Um, but as, as probably sounds a little naive, when I'm on Tinder, the first thing I do is I don't look at the photo, I look at the um, information button down the bottom corner. Yeah and I swipe up to see if there's any info on that person. If all there is is a Spotify anthem and an Instagram, mm-hmm. then I have no interest. They don't have anything to say about themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if there is a bit of information, you know, I like paddleboarding or I like horse riding or I enjoy snuggling on the couch or a pub meal, things like that, I'm more than likely to take the time to go through that person's, the rest of their blog, um, to yeah have a look at their photos sure see if their interest in mine match up and give them the old swipe right but a lot of the time you're swiping left 
not just on Tinder, but on, on pretty much anything on social media. You know, it's so hard to connect with someone through Facebook Messenger, Instagram DMs. My, my parents told me that they really miss the time when they were kids. They met at a deli. My mother was working at a deli, and my dad met her over the counter. That's how my parents got together. You know, there wasn't any of, of this, well, she's a mutual friend of mine, so I'll just click on her. There was none of that. And it would be so much easier, in a way, if we could go back to that. It really would. Based on that, do you meet people in person much? From a dating perspective? Not at the moment. Yeah. Um, just starting a new job. I am spending a lot of time training. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've run into people now and again and just said, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm probably, I'm probably guilty of that whole starting the chat on social media. It is a, a matter of convenience, so I probably look a little bit hypocritical. Uh, but at the same time, the interaction for me, it can't just be on social media. Like, I can't be someone who, if someone lives down at the Gold Coast, I can't spend the next two or three years just talking to them over social media. It's got to be, like, I've, I've got to be able to say, hey, I'm going to be down the Gold Coast next month. You and I, we've been talking for maybe two or three weeks now. Do you want to grab a coffee? And, and try and, and get that human face-to-face -face interaction. It, it, it's, you've got to, at some point, put the screen down and talk to a face. The thing that I find interesting is Let's say it makes more sense to do everything in person. Yeah. And, and you'd like to go back to the days where you met someone over over the counter in Delhi, let's say. Um, friends of friends are active on Tinder. Yeah. And happy to date people from Tinder. Yeah. And I don't know what it's like with a whole lot of gays out in the group. I, my personal thoughts are, if a woman approaches a guy, there's a pretty good chance that actually she's going to get what she wants. Oh yeah. I think. It doesn't really happen often, but I think if it did happen, then she could probably get what she wanted. But, in this particular situation, they're quite happy for someone they've never met before to swipe on them and start chatting with them, and then organise a date. But if they're out in a group of friends, and someone approaches the group, they're like, Get away! Like, there's no yeah. way that any of us are talking to. You. Oh just, yeah. And so, it's like, hang on, you're actively looking for someone, but and if they actually go to the effort of approaching a person, which is the real in life, like in real life version of getting ready to get swapped left on. Yeah. Then you automatically do that, and and if you weren't in that group, would it also be the wrong thing for someone to do? Because because that basically means either people only want to get approached on Tinder because that's now the norm or they want to get approached and the people who do approach in real life will get it way better than the people who are just finally trying to approach on Tinder. I'm in a relationship, I'm not approaching anyone, but I wonder these days whether it's more effective to approach in person or way less. And I'm not even sure if there's that much in between. I had that same conversation with a psychologist at the hospital. Okay. Because um, 
I was. Uh, they asked me, you know, how are you going? And I just said, I'm so over dating. Yeah. It's so fucked. Um, and they were discussing the psychology behind online dating versus meeting up in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't be able to get it word for word, so I'll just generalize it. It's more, with some, it's less of a risk of getting rejected on Tinder because mm-hmm. they're putting their profile out there for someone to already accept. Mm-hmm. You know, they've said to themselves, well, I'm ready to date. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put this out to someone who decides whether or not they want to date me and I just don't need to know because mm-hmm. if they swipe left on my profile, yeah. I'm never going to see them. Yeah. I'm only going to see the people that say yes. Yeah. That's a massive confidence build to me. Yeah. Uh, that's a really dumbed down version of what they said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas in person, you have that risk. Yeah. You have that risk yeah. of uh, walking up to someone and then going, yeah, no, yeah. sorry. Um, I mean, as I've said here, I've, I've spoken to people, I've messaged people uh, off Tinder, like it's been on, on Messenger or on DM or on, on Instagram DM, where I've spoken to that person on and off for a while or I mean I had an experience with a mate who was also gay mm-hmm. excuse me they're in the same physical situation as me they were working to try and lose their weight mm-hmm. I'm still working to lose that 40 kg um, and the, but they, they achieved it so fast right. they got to a physique uh, no disrespect man that was far more impressive than yours and mm-hmm. I was so happy for my crowd for We'd spoken for about two or three years now. We really clicked well together. Uh, there'd been the odd party crash. Mm-hmm. So I remember asking them after that achieved their goals. I said, look, things are settling down for me. Work-wise, I'm not constantly uh, unavailable. Would you like to go and grab a coffee sometime uh, and just you know, sort of see if we click mm-hmm. a little more substantially than friends? Mm-hmm. And I lost such respect for that person in a millisecond because the message that I got back was I'm not really into big guys or I guess I'm a friend such respect I had such respect for them and that I lost in a heartbeat um, so at the same time of, of you know we were both in a situation where when we approached people we always had that risk of getting no uh, one of us progressed out of it faster than the other but when they lost their weight, it's like they lost compassion and, and human decency. Mm. Uh, but they also have less of a risk of someone saying no to them. Mm. Uh, you, you go into the beat in the Fortitude Valley mm. on a Saturday or a Friday night, I don't advise it because you could get an STG just by tripping over a fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would see so many blokes with a well-developed physique are getting such attention. Mm. They, they don't have to worry about people saying no to them. Mm. Um, you do see guys like me, and they are lucky enough to meet a person who can appreciate them. Mm. And I, I see that, and that honestly gives me a bit of a warm tingle inside. Because it lets me know that you know there is hope eventually. Um, but compared to the person with the well-developed body, whereas me, I've got more of a, a risk of someone saying no in, in person. Um, so, that's really loud, it's going to sound like a porno. Um, so you got more of a, a chance of someone 
for saying yes to you online, especially if you only put a picture up of your face. Mm. That's a, a massive, there is, it's, it's open to interpretation on the internet. Yeah. And I feel like that is why so many people prefer meeting through cyberspace than in person. It was a really good, it was like an exclamation mark at the very end of it. Perfect timing. <laughs> um, so I guess the other side of that is, let's say you were 40 kilos lighter, really happy with your physique, yep. getting plenty of attention from guys, but never in control. So getting the kind of attention that probably is like, again, it's a difficult thing. I don't know what it's about like to be a gay guy. But as I said, if a woman approaches a man, chances are she's probably going to get what she wants. Yeah. She doesn't. She might not necessarily do it because she thinks it's giving off the wrong impression or something like that. I don't know what it's be like. I don't know what it's like to be the gay guy, to be the one that decides that someone else is going to be in control. You know what I mean? And so, uh, I think the reason I asked that question is my personal thoughts about being in a relationship is, unfortunately, the one who cares less is the one that typically is the one in control. Yep. And so, let's say you've got all this attention, it's easy to pick up, all of that's happening. How do you then get to the point when you know that you're sort of in control of what you want and you know you can get whatever you want? I couldn't speak for anyone else. Um, Chris, growing up the way that I have, uh, my parents, people compliment my sister and I all the time, our demeanor and our attitude towards uh, strangers and, and grown adults, and I always just say my parents raised me right. They did. My parents raised me to respect, um, respect my elders. They raised me to cop up when something is my fault. Um, but at the same time, I spent so much of my life from, from pretty much kindergarten all the way through to about grade 10 with no friends being bullied. Like just being my bullied. whole high school and primary school career, every day. Uh, and even, even now, like there are people in my life that I am actively aware they take advantage or they treat me like crap and I still give them a chance. Uh, so I, I, I don't really think that I would, I would probably be able to uh, appreciate or acknowledge that, yeah, I've got a little more control over who says yes and no to me, but I don't really think that I'd be someone to, to, to take advantage of it in that way. If, if I were to achieve that, that goal of looking a little better, uh, you know, I would probably want to, I'd probably still look at dating or still show interest in, in someone who looks like me. I would honestly... So do you mean show someone, do you mean like right now you would? Or right then or like I, I do now. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't really discriminate. I, you know, I don't mind dating guys who are 35. I don't really mind dating guys who are 20, 28. Um, I don't really discriminate, but were I to, to look a little better, I mean, yeah, I'd probably have more options, but 
if a, a guy who I know is exceedingly vapid, yep. but ridiculously hot, mm-hmm. were to come up to me and, and ask me out just after a guy who looked more like me would ask me out, mm-hmm. I would prefer to go with the guy who looked like me. Just because I would remember being in that situation. I would remember knowing the anxiety that you feel when you walk up to someone who looks like that mm. and pretty much convincing yourself they've already said no. Mm. But because I know that that person is more likely to be a genuine human being, a decent guy. I think the interesting thing about that, um, I have some friends, and it's an interesting thing, again, I'm not gay, so I don't know what's going to go well, but there's certainly an interpretation that if you you're a good-looking woman, chances are you won't be that friendly because you're just used to getting hit on. Right, so for, there are certain friends of mine who, when they go out, are just so much the opposite of that that people are amazed that someone so good-looking yeah. could also be so friendly and maybe in with a chance. Yeah. But that's like that what they're like with everyone, regardless of the situation. Yeah. They're just lovely. Like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Unicorn, as you said. Oh yeah. Right? Um and the unfortunate thing is we almost get trained that those people just mustn't exist. If you're if you're let's say if you're nine, let's say, there's a very, very low chance that you're actually also going to front. Um, and I don't know if it's different in other cultures, but I think the, the unfortunate thing is that there's an expectation in some areas, or even in some areas of Brisbane, yeah. like you know if you walk up to someone who's relatively good looking, they're probably not going to be that yeah. you Maybe in a different area you have a different expectation, full stereotype, but it's a strange thing if these people seem to flock with other people like them where it seems completely cool to be like that. Yeah. Just because they're good looking. You almost write them off. In a way, because they're looking. you almost write them off. You just expect them to be all about their looks. Which, it's almost ironic. Uh, because, you know, you say, or I say, I would much rather, you know, meet someone who doesn't go off looks. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm, I'm almost a hypocrite because there's a little part of me that's looking at someone good looking and thinking, well that person's good looking, there's no way in hell they would go out with someone like me. So you just write them off completely as a shallow person without realising that you're doing it until later on you go, well, there's a chance they could have been a really nice person as well as a good looking person. Um, if that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, well I think <laughs> that the interesting thing is... Um, I, I believe that pretty much anyone deserves like a minute of your time. Oh yeah. Right. So regardless of the situation, if there's something going on, like it's just a minute. Like, oh, there's something going on. I'll help you out. So when someone comes up and just like, oh hey, nice to meet you, and you're like, get out. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Like you didn't even give me five seconds. Like just, just be open to just hearing what's going on here. Like I didn't, just because I'm coming up and saying hi, 
doesn't mean that I'm automatically not a decent guy. Right? And so, I don't, I'm not sure how it ended up this way. I definitely think this is how it is. But I'm always really happy to see when someone someone actually approaches someone from the other side of the bar and they hit it off. And I think that we forget that the flip side of getting rejected is that everything works out just fine. Yeah. And every now and then it works. <laughs> but if you never approach, you never know that it's going to work. Because that's all. like that's how it's out here no man. Is I said you had a good smile. I didn't know if you were gay or not, but I was just saying you know, putting a little bit of positivity out there. Yeah. And I mean you and I have been talking since then, friendly with each other. Um you and I wouldn't be having this conversation and putting this out there if one of us if one of us hadn't said g'day. Yeah. But also if the other hadn't said thanks for the compliment. I don't swing that way, but and then kept talking. Yeah. Now you could have come back at me and said, I don't really want anything to do with you if you don't know me. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm really glad that you did actually give me a minute. You know, and in my view Having the decency to give a person even just a minute of your time—that's um, what I call diplomacy. Okay. It's just, you know, you're on the fence about them, sure, but you're giving them a chance to, in a way, plead their case. Uh, I have no filter on my mouth, or a very limited filter on my mouth uh, at times, but that is one massive thing that I believe in. Um, I'm not too sure if you've ever seen it, but there is one show on at the moment that I absolutely love, and it's called Madam Secretary. It's about this woman who becomes the US Secretary of State. Uh, and a couple of people, you know, they watch it because she's hot or there's explosions and whatnot. I love watching <coughs> I love watching her conflict resolution. It's just this massive exercise and demonstration of a diplomat truly exercising her diplomacy in in ways that I kind of wish we fit in society. Um, and at times, at work, in the when I was working as a woody, I have honest to God used a few little things that I picked up on that show. Um, but you know, when there is something that's wrong with work environment, something that's wrong with the community or wrong with an environment, you have to find a solution or as you call it, how to fix it, how we were discussing this the other day. Um, standing up and screaming at the top of your lungs in someone's face is not going to work. Uh, and that again, that's I'm going to sound like I watch heaps of telly. I don't, I just like that one show. Yeah, yeah. That's happened a couple of times. Uh, with regards to this this show or a plot line or a storyline, someone gets up and screams in the face. Mm. And they, what, what I love about how they demonstrate their conflict resolution, she doesn't get up and scream back. Mm. You know, she doesn't, we don't escalate. We don't have to escalate a situation like that. You know, if if that person is so passionate about it that they're going to scream in your face, find a way to get them to sit back down and demonstrate that you want to resolve the problem with them. Um, I feel like I've just like branched off onto another subject, but... Well, I think the other thing is, I, um, obviously we've both worked in sales. Yep. 
you get used to just dealing with people in person. And sometimes for me, if I have a difficult person, it's a fun challenge to work out if I can get this resolved. Yep. Like it's just like, they hate me. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna. That's yeah. not gonna stay like that forever. <laughs> like I'm gonna work out a way. It's gonna take me a while. Sometimes you can't. It's like sometimes it's just really, really difficult. And it seems like there's something that they don't like about you, and you yeah. just can't seem to get around it. But most of the time, there's a way that you can sort of like eventually come to a resolution. Um, and I personally, I find that more enjoyable. I've never really, I've never sat down and played a full game of chess. I'm just, I'm, that for me is not that exciting. <laughs> but having someone be, having someone I think that there's a reason why I'd actually like them to have, have been in my life, and knowing that there's something not right happening at the moment, and then realizing that I have a challenge to get them from here to here, yeah. that's fun. That, that'd be more fun than a game of chess for me. Yep. But it would feel like chess, because it's that kind of strategic sort of conversation. Basically. Um, so yeah, so definitely appreciate that. The cool thing about TV these days is that I like reading. Most people don't like reading. Mm. But there's plenty of TV shows where you can learn a hell of a lot. Oh yeah. Because of some very well-written scripts and some great actors. Absolutely. Yeah. I said it to... Uh, I should probably exercise diplomacy with her a little more, but my mother and I, mate, we, living here with her, because my old man is in the raft, he's posted to Canberra, um, so she stayed behind uh, for her career. Uh, so I live here to help her out, um, also to save up so that I can move out. And at times we are on top of each other. It's We've had screaming matches where the neighbours are probably just like, well, they're out of the Since, I guess, a lot of that was before I came out. It happens less frequently since I came out. We still have arguments, but it's very rare. Uh, see, he's agreeing with them. I love how the Roddy's just not moved and made a sound the whole time. Yeah. Um, but when we have differences of opinion, more often than not, we resolve it so much more peacefully than getting up and screaming in someone's face. And I was saying to her the other day, the people who write the scripts for the show that I like, they write the scripts for a show that is based around the government. They need to be working in the government and writing these speeches for the government because it's just... So it's so much more intricate yeah. and, and intelligent and understandable and relatable yeah. than the crap that some of the gov- these governments put out today in real life. Um, that being said, the reason that it's so easy for them to write these scripts is because they've created the problem that they have to resolve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they have, you know, they have consultants, they have people who have worked in the position that their show is about. Um, you know, those people need to be writing the scripts. Those people need to be helping resolve world conflicts. I mean, we've got governments that are meeting these days about climate change. Um, we have governments that are meeting about... I mean, it's... Who is it? Bru- Sultan of Brunei is, has made it legal for gays to be stoned to death in his country. You know, the, government's, the government gets together to, to sanction him for that. Sanction him, sure, but at the same time... That's that's the UN version of getting up and screaming in someone's face. You know, 
bring him, force him to come in for one if he's just not going on. But have him sit down and explain to him what the issue is. You know, exercise your your profession as a diplomat and as a government official. Um, I'm ranting. I don't mean to be. Just, oh, just sort of circle back. No. <laughs> um, but you know, there are so many shows these days that you learn so much from. Um, you know, and there used to be the old ones like Lie to Me or whatever, where when kids were in high school and they were watching it, they'd go around and go to their mate, you're lying, I saw your eyebrow twitch. Mm. And they were full of shit. Uh, but these days, these shows, modern audiences become savvy. Mm. So they have to keep it as accurate as they can, yeah. which means that you learn so much more yeah. uh, than, than what you realise. Um, I've done first aid on someone, not from my nursing diploma, but from watching Grey's Anatomy. Wow. <laughs> um, I, 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 that's like the one show that I've been watching since I was a kid. I've got all 14 seasons on DVD. Yep. But uh, I won't say what happened, but there was an incident where someone actually hurt themselves and I've got like a bug out kit in my car mm -hmm. that's got this massive first aid kit. Mm -hmm. And after, the, after we had uh, resolved the issue or, or treated their injury, um, we took them to the hospital and the person that they were with went, how did you, did you learn that from your nursing? How did you, Grey's Anatomy, and their face just went, you could have yeah. killed him. Yeah. Uh, but you learn so much from these shows and, and one thing that I always try and take away from it is conflict resolution. There is so much upheaval and conflict in the world these days that you always have to be thinking about how to resolve something that's going to go wrong. Just one thing, we've got this cheese and crackers <laughs> and all sorts of things that Brad has uh, set up for us. Um, that I'd like to dig into. <laughs> and we sort of spoke about gay stereotypes and you mentioned your car. Yeah. What can you tell me about your <laughs> Uh 2008 Nissan Navara okay. D22 2.5 turbo diesel. Yep. Uh, I just had to replace the diff on it. Okay. Uh, that went one day when I was dropped in. It was just a little clunk, and I've, I've always been one of those people where if there is a noise, the way to fix it is just turn the stereo on. Yep. <laughs> uh, but this was, it was, I could feel it in the car. And it started on the way home from work one day, and then by the time I got to the driveway, couldn't drive the car. 